to episode 35 already. Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi, and we are going to have a great interview today with such a talented and sassy and sophisticated lady. Betty D is going to be on the show, and she was in the group Sweet Sensation. Still is to this day. Their girls are still doing their thing, and they are so talented. So Sweet Sensation coming up on the show shortly. But before that, I want to tell you about our YouTube channel. Search Dope Nostalgia Podcast on YouTube, and you'll be able to find us in all of our cool playlists. We have sneak peeks of future episodes with video files of those interviews that we're doing. We have full-length episodes as well. We have a featured artist playlist that shows you all the music videos of each artist that we we have on the show. Not every music video, but like some of the top ones for sure, or some of the music videos that we just have discussed on the show. They're all in our featured artist playlist and some hot tracks as well from other, other stars of the 90s. So check it out, Dope Nostalgia on YouTube and say hi, leave a comment. Also check out our other social media because we're all over the place. But Colin always tells you guys about that at the end of the show. All right. So looking forward to this interview. I hope you guys like it too. And this is all about Sweet Sensation. Wikipedia Moments. It's time to jam. Sweet Sensation is a female freestyle dance music trio from the Bronx, New York City. The group is composed of Betty LeBron, Belle Ritter, and Janae Cullen. This is the current lineup. The group was formed in 86 and released albums until 1992. Their song, If Wishes Came True, is their biggest hit, topping the Billboard Hot 100 list for a week in 1990. Sweet Sensation was signed to a production deal with Platinum Vibe Productions, and recording started on their first album with Betty LeBron on lead vocals. Using Hooked on You as an introduction, the trio was signed to Next Plateau Records. Hooked on You was released on the Next Plateau label along with their second single, Victim of Love. In 1987, they were picked up by Atco and their debut album, Take It While It's Hot, was released. The album peaked at number 63 on the Billboard Pop Albums chart and spawned five singles. Hooked on You, Victim of Love, Take It While It's Hot, Never Let You Go, and Sincerely Yours. The original lineup of the group composed of Betty LeBron, Margie Fernandez, and Mari Fernandez. In late 1988, Mari left the group and was replaced by Sheila Vega. The artwork of their debut album, a photograph of the trio, was updated to reflect this change. The original album cover featured Betty, Margie, and Mari, but the 1989 repressing of their album, new member Sheila Varga replaced Mari on the cover. The vocals on the album weren't re-recorded after the personnel change, however. In 1990, their second album, Love Child, was released, containing what would turn out to be their biggest hit, the ballad, If Wishes Came True, which reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. In 1991, a remix album was released called Time to Jam, which turned out to be their last album. That year, Margie and Sheila left the group and were replaced by three new members, Belle, Maya, and Janae, making them a quartet. They performed as Sweet Sensation for the next few years until Betty LeBron embarked on a solo career. In 2004, Sweet Sensation was ranked number 391 in the Rock on the Net website's top 500 pop artists of the past 25 years. In 2005, the dance single My Body to Carpo, credited as Dynamix Present Sweet Sensation, was released on Cult Records featuring Betty LeBron on lead vocals, billed as Betty D and produced by Eddie Kermina and Beppe Savoni of Dynamix. 
Today, Sweet Sensation is composed of Betty, Belle, and Janae, and is currently performing throughout the United States. The Sweet Sensation catalog is currently owned by Atco Atlantic Records. Please welcome lead singer and amazing lady, Betty D, Betty LeBron, to the show. Where are you nowadays? What part of the states are you in? I'm in New York State. Uh, yeah. I'm actually in upstate New York, mm-hmm. um, up in the hills by, uh, by Albany. So that's where I'm living now. I lived most of my life in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, I lived in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, uh, Manhattan. So I think I've hit all the boroughs except I think Staten Island. But yeah. Not and then bad I at all. Upstate. Yeah, I, I like the air up here. It's uh, it's better air. There are a lot of trees. <laughs> it is so nice. I've only been to New York City once. And um, like I'm from Canada. I'm in Western Canada and I'm in like a city that's not too big. So we do have a lot of like trees and fresh air and nature around here. So it was definitely different. Oh, it's it's amazing. Canada is so beautiful that way. I think that the the further north you go, I think the prettier it, it gets. I know some people complain about the cold or the weather, but it is so beautiful. It was it's like so beautiful. Yesterday was like 88 degrees Fahrenheit in my city. So we're we're doing all right right now for the heat. We're great. Right. I give it to you. I give it to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what about the Bronx inspired you creatively growing up there? Do you still go back? I do. Um, I haven't been actually, I think in about, I want to say two, two or three years. Um, but one of the things that inspires me about growing up in the Bronx is that the music could not be beat. Um, I grew up, I wasn't a rich girl, you know, my family was very humble. My father worked very hard to provide for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived in a neighborhood where music was always being played either out of out of your window, in your car, mm-hmm. out on the street. And we didn't have computers. We didn't have, you know, video games and phones. Mm-hmm. We played outside. And so for me, being outside was hanging out with my friends and we all lived in this huge building of a thousand apartments. And so you, you know, all of the families always knew each other. My mother knew everyone else's kids and um, my friends' mothers knew everyone's kids. So it was almost like we had a lot of parents looking out for us. And I hung out in outside in front of my building, sitting on someone's car and we would sit there and listen to music. We'd open up the the, the water um, hydrant if it was hot in the summer. Yeah. And we'd run in front of there and play. We played games like um, um, kick the can, mm-hmm. um, hide and seek. Like we did things out in the street. This is in an urban neighborhood. But the whole time you are listening to disco music, mm. uh, rap. But, you know, the early years of rap, you had... KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions, which, you know, like I I just kind of bow down to, that's what I grew up listening to. Then you had all of, you know, um, our fellow Puerto Ricans in the neighborhood who played salsa music. So you had Hector Lavoe, Gran Combo, Celia Cruz. Mm. They were all being played. And then you had R&B music. So all of that mixed together gave you such an important um, education in music. 
you know, and a love of so many different types of music. And I, I say it all the time. I think I grew up with the best combination of, you know, Latin culture and um R&B culture, hip hop culture. I was there for all of it, for the inception, for when it all started. So yeah, that definitely the music when I grew up in the Bronx was what influenced me. Is there a, a kinship with your peers in the business, like JLo, for instance, about growing up in the Bronx from the same, Absolutely. From the same uh, circumstances? Yeah. There's a there's a sense of pride that you feel like um, aside from the fact that you know at Puerto Ricans are proud of, of of their own people, their own families, their own music, their flag. You know we're just a very proud race. That's wonderful. But we are we are so so proud of all of our other peers who are in the business and have come up and represented us in such a way. You know. Um, I can't help but feel pride over that. You know, the JLo's of the world. Yes, she's amazing. Um, she represents Puerto Ricans in the, in the best way possible and the Bronx. So, of course, mm. yeah, I feel a certain type of kinship with her. There's something so exciting and engaging about the genre of freestyle. Um, I understand that it was conceived in New York City as well. And a few artists I listened to from those yes. days from the genre are you, Cover Girls, Expose, Lisa Lisa. So what to you truly defines the genre of freestyle? And is it a tight community of artists? Are you kidding me? It yeah. is. Okay, so this started, we want to say, well, the inception of it, there's so many stories. I wasn't there when they coined the term freestyle. I it was 1986. Um, I had recorded a song called Hooked on You. And from that moment, it seemed like there were so many other artists, Latin artists, um, Latin singers who started recording this type of music mm -hmm. um, coming from New York City, different boroughs. It's not just the Bronx. We had Hell's Kitchen, where Lisa Lisa's from, yeah. uh, Manhattan, you know, uh, you had Brooklyn. We all started recording this type of music. And of course, I always say, I always think freestyle is that combination of urban, Latino, R&B, hip hop. It's a mixture of all the things we grew up with, but we started recording and freestyle became this genre of music that people from our neighborhoods, our fellow peers, our fellow Latinos and African-Americans and, and um, everyone else within that neighborhood uh, started to listen to this music and identify with it. Mm. And we are so close in our family that it's going to be 35 years that we have all been friends, uh, we're family, we have been touring together, we are still doing shows together. Okay. Uh, and we see each other at shows and we're amazed. We're amazed that we all look at each other. We have literally grown up together yeah. as this freestyle family and we call it a freestyle family and we, talk to each other when we're not performing. We, you know, we're always in contact with one another. And when we do see each other, it's such a party. Um, nice. You know, we have acts like, for instance, we did a show and on this particular show, it could be any show, but this is just one in general. We have Judy Torres, uh, TKA Coro, Cynthia, Lizette Melendez, uh, Sweet Sensation, Cover Girls. Uh, we have Noelle, we have, um, Joe Dengue, we have so many of these art. We're all on one bill. This is one show. Wow. 
So could you imagine what backstage is like when we're getting ready to go out and the pranks don't stop? It's like, (laughs) it's insane. Coro um, is known for pranking everyone. Mm. So yeah, we, we, we love the idea that we can still come together 30 plus years later and still provide a show for our fans. We wouldn't do this, of course, if it wasn't for the fans. And sometimes I look out at the audience and I am amazed that I'm looking out and thinking, I'm going to pinch myself because this is 34 years later. Our fans who are our age are out there partying and dancing with us like it was 1988, you know? And, and they're going, and they look amazing. And they put like these, I'm sorry, younger generation, but I'm going to say this. They put that younger d- generation to shame. They're out there getting down. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, that's what I wanted to hear is that it's still just such a, an amazing time full of like love and music when you all get together. That makes oh. me happy to hear. <laughs> It is wonderful. I have, um, and and people, fans of ours know this. um, I have had a work husband for 35 years, and that is K7 from TKA. Mm -hmm. We literally have grown up. Our families are super close. Um, We're always online. I'm always, you know, visiting. We're always together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's such a family experience being back there. And, um, you know, like I said, backstage is a crazy place. <laughs> There's a lot of love there, definitely. And you mentioned that you had recorded Hooked on You back in the late, was it mid to late 80s when that when that was re- recorded? 1986. Um, I was a wee young thing. <laughs> <laughs> was that the first song that you got to do in the studio? That was the first time I had ever been in the studio. Um, I, I'll tell you a story. I had a friend, Margie, and she used to listen to me sing through my headphones. I always had headphones on listening to music. And she said, you know, I know a guy who works for a production company and um, he he co-manages and she was telling me something about, oh, he co-manages the group Sly Fox. And I'm like, oh, I know who Sly Fox is. They sing that song. Let's go all the way. Let's go all the way. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I love that song. So I, you know, I thought it was cool. You know, I'm like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I go to her house and I meet um, this gentleman, David Sanchez, and he comes into the room. I'm not lying with this huge boom box, puts it on the floor and I'm sitting there. I'm all like this little, I don't know, 80 pound kid who's, you know, doesn't know anything. She just likes to sing. And he puts a cassette in and says, oh, so I hear that you you can sing. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I, I like to sing. Um, I went to the High School of Music and Art in New York City. So that was, I was a vocal major. So I, I kind of like to sing, right? Mm. He asked me to sing some song. I think I sang a Stacey Lattisaw record. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but I know it was a Stacey Lattisaw record because she was in my head all the time and he takes it back and maybe like a week later uh my friend margie calls me and she's like look um the production company and the lady who david works with wants to meet you 
I go to the studio with Margie and I met Sherry Shepard there who became my manager. She became my manager and was still my manager up until just recently for years. Mm. And she introduced me to Romeo JD, who at the time when I walked into that studio for the meeting was in the booth recording with his group, the Boogie Boys. So I met Romeo and we hit it off like gangbusters. It was, you know, there was, I guess, a kindred spirit in us. And he was like, I'm going to write something amazing for you. And he did. He wrote a song called Hooked on You. Mm. And um, the rest is history. He wrote that song. Uh, I recorded it. We finished recording it, but we weren't quite sure what we were going to do because uh, Sherry had looked at me and she's like, you're like this little thing. You're like this little Puerto Rican girl. I don't know. You know, like you're so, what are we going to do with you? You know, I didn't, I certainly wasn't like some diva star. I was just a kid from the Bronx. And um, then it was decided that why don't we do a girl group? And Margie, who was my friend at the time, got her sister involved. And that's how Sweet Sensation came to be. And then we decided that we were going to figure out names and music. And, you know, so we had Mari, Margie and myself were in the group up until 1988. Mm-hmm. And then Mari left the group and she was replaced by Sheila, who came into the group in 1988. And the current mm-hmm. lineup, the current lineup to this day is now. Is now, well, so then, so then what happens is in 1988, Sheila comes in. Um, we actually got to tour for two and a half years we went on the new kids on the block tour it was amazing and we actually got to visit canada plenty of times and then um sheila and margie left the group in 1990. okay so at that point there were a lot of shows that were on the horizon um i went and uh, did an audition and i got actually three girls into sweet sensation because i wanted to do a solo album Mm. so we got janae cologne Belle Torres and another girl, Maya. And we did a couple of shows with the four of us. We were trying to, we were figuring things out at the time. We were like, what's going on? We don't know what's happening. (laughs) And then Maya left. And then all these years later from 1990 up until present day, it's been Betty, Janae and Belle. And we're still doing shows. Oh, that makes me so happy. I can't wait till- They're my sisters. I can't wait till you can tour again. Like. We were supposed to come to Canada. Was it, I can't was even it believe that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm hoping it'll it'll get rescheduled, but we miss it so much. But it is insane what's happening right now. But it's so cool though that we still have this outlet to be able to reach out to fans and talk to people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I do appreciate that. We're making lemonade out of the lemons and we're trying to do things to still keep uh, all the artists in touch with their fans and get new fans too. And that's part of what this podcast is about because I want to share what you're doing now. So absolutely. My first sweet sensation album was time to jam the remix. No kidding. That was the first time I heard you guys was on open house party with John Garabedian. Oh, John. Oh, my goodness. I love John. You know, there are people that you meet along the way. I mean, you meet a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. I will never forget John Garabedian. Never. And I loved his show that you said his name. It just totally brought me back. Did you get to appear on it? 
Yes, I did. I yeah. knew him very, very well. Um, we did a couple of shows with him. Um, he would have us on the air. It was great. We had like the best time. Yeah, that's where I first heard your music. And then I said, I have to have this. So I went and got your cassette and I just absolutely loved it. So, oh, <clears throat> so what show shows back in the day did you enjoy appearing on the most? And did you have any other favorite hosts that you, you got to work with? We had... Uh, when we went on tour with New Kids on the Block, which was an amazing tour, we had the best time. Then we went on our own tour with um, Tommy Page and Lanier. Oh, Tommy. And so, yes, I know. My, it, it was so heartbroken, right, when I, when I heard. But the time that we spent together, it was so much fun. Um, and being on, on stage with our band, we actually had a band. We were on a bus. And we had a whole four months of, I think, touring. And it was amazing. Um, that was probably one of my most favorite times in my whole life. And during that time was when we had our number one song. We were on the road. I remember we were in Pennsylvania and it was August. And If Wishes Came True was wow. climbing up the charts. And they came over to us before we went on stage to tell us that the song was number one on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. And, you know, we were a mess. Like, I, I don't even know how I even got through the show, but we did it. And it was, it was probably the best time in my life. I'll never forget it. I can't imagine being told you have a number one on Billboard. Like, it was insane. I'm like, <laughs> It, but yeah, like I wish I knew the term then, but it totally blew my mind. Yes. But it did, and it was, it was so amazing to see that fans embraced the music and embraced the album the way that they did. It was just, and um, we loved performing the songs from that album, so it, it made it that much better for us. You had some amazingly wild, colorful fashion as well. <laughs> you ladies were always styling all the time, so. How much were you involved in choosing the outfits for the group? The uh, back then we had a stylist. Um, his name was Andre Smith and he was the, he was so fierce mm. and he, and you know, I'll tell you a funny story. I have skinny legs. I have really skinny legs and I don't, I have really like bony ankles. Okay. <laughs> so I um, used to like wearing you know, shoes that covered my ankles, you know, I don't, you know, and he would always buy me ankle boots because they were in style. And I used to get so mad at him because I'm like, you know that I have really skinny ankles. You can't buy me ankle boots because I would get the ankle boot and on the girls, it would look great because their ankles filled up the boot. It was nice. It was very cute looking. On me, there were these huge spaces of like air and space around my ankle. It looked like I was wearing like pots around my feet. Hmm. And I told him, I said, you have to stop buying me ankle <laughs> boots because they don't look flattering on me. He was like, but that's the style and they look fierce. Don't worry about the boots. I'm like, no. So we always fought about two things, my hair and my boots. I'm like, stop putting ankle boots on me. But he used to go shopping for us and he taught me how to shop. He taught me how to dress. He, he. And I actually do it now full time with my girls. Um, for our shows that we do now, people are like, oh, who's your stylist? I'm like, oh, I do it. I do the shopping. Um, you know, it's, he taught me how to have vision 
and uh, he taught me how to like do my hair, but he, he hated doing my hair. He loved doing Margie and Sheila's hair. And then um, when we, he stayed with us for years and then he loved doing Janae and Belle's hair, but me, no. He said, you're <laughs> like a maniac on stage because if he put hoop earrings on me, I would rip them off. If he put beautiful heels on me, I'd kick them off or break them. I destroyed wardrobes. I destroyed my hair. My hair is crazy and frizzy. So I'd sit there. He would put the most amazing like hairstyle and bun two seconds into the show. I'm pulling all the bobby pins out and I'm messing up my hair. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, what's he's the like, I'm not even going to bother with you, girl. Why? <laughs> I bet you the boots did look great. You're probably being hard on yourself. And <laughs> no, it, I wish that I was that hard on myself. And maybe I, I am a little, but as far as the boots, I knew because they were, the girls always made fun. They were like, oh, why do those boots look so big on you? I'm like, because I don't have ankles. I'm <laughs> like, are those boots big on you? Are they big? Is that are they two sizes too big for you? I'm like, no, they fit just fine in the foot part. <laughs> yeah, everything else. <laughs> That's what sisters do. Absolutely. Yeah. How much How much control did you have over the career and the path of Sweet Sensation, or how much compared to what the label did? Did they call the shots, or was it? How was it? I'll tell you what. Um, the label did call the shots. Now, I'll tell you this. I was 17 when I got into this group. And it's pretty much, you know, I don't have any issue saying this. And maybe this is the first time I get to discuss something like this. But we were pretty much a fabricated group. You know, they kind of put these girls together. They chose our music. They chose um, our wardrobe. They did our videos. You know, mm -hmm. I pretty much during that beginning part of it was just kind of put out there you know, go perform. I mean, granted, I was young, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But, you know, over the years, you start to realize, wait a minute, you know, as you become an adult, it's a good thing that we had good management. So we, we had a management team that kind of overlooked all, all of, you know, all of our stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think now, there's, it's a different dynamic. Now artists are more independent, you know, they write their own music, they perform their own, you know, songs, they write, you know, they, they play their own instruments. They, you know, I get to style everyone. I get to pick everything that I'm wearing. You know, I get to, yeah. I get to make the decisions. Uh, back then, no, I can't say that I had any control, um, you know, other than fight about, you know, like the ankle boots that I didn't want to wear. Yeah. But pretty much, yeah, you know, those, I think a lot of those groups, I think groups in general who start out when they're very young are very heavily influenced by the people who are managing them and who, um, you know, hold their contracts. So that being part of the package, how did you feel about appearing in the teen magazines like Bop, Tiger Beat, Teen Beat? It was it crazy. Was, was I, it, would you go and get the magazine and be like, look, uh, <laughs> it's, it's I remember um, going through this old, I have this old chest. When we went on tour, I had my own, it was like this big, like, chest that I had on my clothes. It was like a trunk. Mm -hmm. And it had my name on it, and I still have it. And one day I decided to open it. And in that is the most, I had outfits, 
magazine covers, posters. Um, I have a poster with us and New Kids on the Block. I found t-shirts. Yeah, I found t-shirts. Uh, I found all of these things. Um, you know, all of the charts from Billboard as the songs were climbing up, you know, and it's funny, the things that you hold on, newspaper clippings from all the fairs that we had done and the reviews that we have from our shows. Um, it was, I, it was such a surreal moment for me that I, when I saw that, I'm like, I can't believe that I m didn't miss all of this, you know? And then I looked at it and I wasn't saying, hey, where's all that stuff? It just kind of popped up one day and, I, and it's one of my most treasured things in the whole world that I get to, you know, show people. I'm like, yeah, I used to be, you know, in teen magazines. Is that crazy? But I loved it. And it's like looking at that stuff now, um, do you feel you're able to appreciate the experience more now as an adult looking at it than you were while it was happening? Oh, absolutely. When it was happening, I was clueless. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what, what an impact it would have on my life. I was out there having fun. Yeah. I was having fun and doing something that I love. And not many you know? people can say that. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I don't know how far this is going to go. I don't know where we're going with this, but all I know is that I love being in front of an audience. I love performing. Um, I love what I do. And this right here, I would, you know, I didn't care about the business part of it. Um, you know, as I got older, obviously I did, I started to care about that, but during that time, no, the last thing that crossed my mind. <laughs> I absolutely love your energy and like, how, how you feel about everything that happened. It's really contagious and it's exciting. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, it you, you know why you have a light. I, I am so blessed to have experienced everything that I did when I was really young and then go through the process of growing up doing that as well. And then now um, I still love doing it. You know, I, in my head, I think I'm still like 25 years old and I think I'm just going to stay there. <laughs> I'm with you. I totally get it. It's a state of mind. It's totally a state of mind. We'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level.
What was one of your most memorable performances? I, I remember being in, well, there's two. And so I remember being in Arizona and it was like super hot. And it was the first time we had done a show in the round and the place was packed. And, you know, we come out, we have our band and the crowd, it was the first time I had been like in a 360 degree crowd. Mm -hmm. And the energy of that room was so, so, so amazing. And I remember being really confused because the stage was moving with us, but then I didn't know which way I was going. So I was like, wait, do I Was it literally like turning? It was literally turning. And so I, you know, I'm like, I'm so used to a stage being, you know, just you're facing front, you can move from side to side. I didn't know, I didn't know if I was coming or going. I was trying to run all over this. I, all I remember, I was exhausted by the time we did the show because I was running around with circles and we were trying to do choreography. And we were, it was just insane, but it was just the most amazing feeling. And the second um, most memorable show was we were on tour with New Kids on the Block. And my parents were at this show. And this was in uh, New York. So I believe it was Madison Square Garden. <gasps> playing the garden. Isn't it? What a yes. play. And we were backstage and I was so nervous. You know, I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, my, my mom's here. My dad's here. You know, my brother, my family was there. But when we walked out on that stage and heard the crowd, like my heart literally almost exploded from it. And, you know, my mom came over to me and she hugged me so hard after the show. God, I'm going to start crying. Can we, yeah, you cry. So, so my mom comes and she hugs me after the show. And then my dad hugged me. And it was just the most amazing, amazing feeling. And I talked to my mom the other day about it. And uh, my dad, I lost my dad a couple of years ago so um just thinking about that about, about that memory so um yeah it was probably the most memorable show performing in my hometown um and feeling the love and feeling that energy and then seeing my parents faces after i performed was was magic i'm glad you have such a beautiful memory oh, to, oh. it was amazing it was amazing yeah I'm sorry. I got you. I got you all worked. Oh, no, it's good. I'm going to call my mom. I'm like, Do you, can I tell you what happened today? Probably <laughs> <laughs> what happened. Okay. How about this? What was the most scandalous story from the road that you, that you can say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, wow. Stay on the road. It's like in Vegas, but you know, some things might be. Might well, be. I'll tell you what, um, if you talk to any, you know, like my friends, my, um, it's not that this is an ongoing thing. I was the queen of the ward, wardrobe malfunction. Like before Janet Jackson did it, before anyone else did it, it was me. And I am not lying. We did a dance party USA and I had a, you know, I guess a halter. Okay, coming down. <laughs> I. And it's funny because, you know, I remember Janae looking at me and then I had to turn around. This was on television. Ooh. I had to turn around and pull the thing back up. So that's not even the first time that's happened. 
um, the crew used to be like, yeah, you got to make sure you put safety pins on Betty's outfits because, yeah, my outfits were notorious. Like I said, my hair, my outfits, <laughs> I used to rip them to shreds. And he's like, you can't keep doing that. So I was pretty scandalous, like, while I was on stage because my tops would come popping off or my <laughs> pants would rip. So I either had, you know, my, my butt was out or my boobs were out. <laughs> one of them was out at some point eventually you're just like i guess this is just how it is all right yeah they're like oh yeah that that's that's betty's always popping out of her tops you know it's double-sided tape double-sided tape you know what we didn't believe in all of that now you get double-sided tape back then you just hoped it didn't come out of you and we had these bustiers that we would wear they were crazy Mm. but yeah that's probably the most scandalous thing it just became old hat for me (laughs) now you mentioned, of course, being in a girl group is like being with your sisters. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to get mad at each other. Um, did you guys ever have a, like a lot of disagreements or times where you didn't see eye to eye? And then how would you work things out? Well, with the current lineup, I can't tell you that we're really, really sisters. Mm-hmm. They are, I call them my ride or die girls, um, nice. that they've been with me and doing this with me for the last 27, 28 years Mm. is amazing. And you know what? The great thing is that it's all about love. So yeah, sometimes we get on each other's nerves. We have very different personalities. Mm. Uh, I'm a morning person and I'm very like chipper. I'm very, I'm I'm like sunshine. I, I, you know, I get in, I'm like, good morning. You know, (laughs) Janae, Janae is not a morning person. No one goes would go into the room to wake her up. I'm the only person on the planet who can ever wake her up. Um, and Belle is also a morning person, but Belle is like, you know, Speedy Gonzalez. She's constantly, you know, running around. So we have very different personalities. And so, you know, there were times that we were like be in the limo and we just, you know, don't want to talk to each other because we've spent so much time. We just need quiet. But I think that's just maybe 1% of the time that we would be that way, 99% of the time. And it's very evident in our show. When me, Belle, and Janae get on stage, the energy and the sisterhood, the love is so evident. People talk about it. They, they, they actually comment on it all the time. And if I didn't hear those comments all the time, I wouldn't have wouldn't say this Mm -hmm. but it is true our energy is so um is so big it makes for like a more electrifying show it does and we we have fun we get on stage and we have fun um it's a very high energy show we have lots of fun up on stage and um you know we 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 support each other basically what can we do as women nowadays, especially in the music business, to lift each other? A lot, you know, it's like sometimes women can be catty towards one another, and it it just seems like it just um, it it doesn't make anything better, right? So what it does we do? not? What can we do to lift each other? Well, here's the thing: when you're in a business, ego has no room. Okay, yeah. with with the climate that we live in now, there is no need for ego. Mm-hmm. Um, things can only uh, progress. They can only flourish 
if you are positive, if you are open, um, if you are egoless, uh, and you allow that energy to come in. Women, supporting women is probably one of my biggest, biggest platforms and one of my biggest beliefs. Uh, for us, it is a sisterhood. You know, we have gone through so much, in, not just in the music business, but I think in the world alone. Yeah. You know, um, you know, women aren't discriminated against, you know, based on their sex. Women are viewed differently. You know, there's so much that we go through as women mm-hmm. that having another woman be catty and, you know, com- coming down on you and, and hating on you is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a need for that. The power that you get from another woman giving you support, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. We as women are powerful mm-hmm. in our own right. And to share that power with another woman, I, I tell you, that's, there's nothing like that. And there should be more of that. That shouldn't even be a question. That's a good, very good answer. And I thank you for that. Cause I know I've always had to like, look at myself and find ways to improve, to be a better support to the other women around. And it's just part of my growth. And I think all women are, are learning that now, how strong we can be together instead of separated, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. The strength. And I think, and here, I, my friends tend to say that I'm a really good devil's advocate because I tend to always see both sides of it, but Women, and I'm just saying, because we're on the subject of women, I, I think people in general, if, if you're insecure, that plays a huge part in how you react and how you interact with the world and with women. Yeah. Um, so I can't say that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, not support women. Someone may have a real issue with supporting you know, a woman, and it may come off as jealousy or envy or hating on someone. But sometimes I tend to look at that person, and it may not even be about that. It may be about their own insecurities. And sometimes it's very difficult for them to support, you know, another woman, and it it comes off as something, They're having trouble trouble supporting themselves. Themselves, you know, so how do we expect them to support anyone else? And just talking about humanity in general and people, um, you know, the ideal of it is there. We would love for that to happen, but I know that sometimes that's not possible. So we tend to look at others. Um, if they support me, if there are women in this plant, I know so many women and, and I feel like I get a lot of support from some very strong women, but that's not always going to be the case. Every woman is not always going to want to support you. But then I tend to look at it from their perspective. Um, you know, they have their own reasons and for behaving or acting the way that they do. And I'm true. sure that they're, you know, they could be valid. That's true. That's very true. Now, have you always felt um, as a performer on stage that it came to you naturally or did you like get stage fright? Do you still get any stage fright? No, I don't. I think being on stage is probably the most comfortable place on earth for me. Nice. I love, I, I don't think the very first show that we did was in a hip hop club in New York city. And it was called the Latin quarter. 
And we were opening up for the Boogie Boys, of course, you know, so they go out there and it, the, the crowd is filled with hip hop fans. Okay. They're there to listen to rap music. We got these three little Latina girls coming on stage with cute little dresses talking about, you know, and we started throwing chocolate kisses out to the audience because we're sweet sensation. Well, they threw them back at us. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. It was so hilarious. Um, But, you know, I kind of chalked it up to, hey, I don't think we have any business being in a little rap club, you know, throwing chocolate kisses out. You know, so I get it. That was fair. Have you taken care of your voice over the years? What do you do to, do you have any special exercises or, or tricks up your sleeve? Well, one of the things that you should do before singing, some people kind of go out cold. It's always important to um, warm up. Mm. So, and people are like, oh, well, you have to do specific things. It's not always you know, scales or, you know, warming up can just be just singing the song and trying to remember the lyrics before you go on stage, (laughs) humming it under your breath, you know, you know, that works your vocals. Um, But, you know, other than just doing the warm ups before shows, I don't really have anything special. Whatever works for me in that moment is what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sometimes I uh, I have my niece and I'm I'm teaching her the do re mi fa sol la ti do, yeah. and I got her at do re mi. I got her at mi, and pretty soon I'm sure she'll graduate to the rest of it. How old is she? She just turned two. Aww. And she is amazing. She's amazing. She's just. Uh, it's funny when you watch them. I've had plenty, you know, of, of, of around babies, but I haven't been this close to one and seeing them grow with the stages. My nieces and nephews kind of grew up, but I saw them every once in a while. I'm actually in my niece's life regularly, and I'm watching all these crazy things. And if I sing Little Mermaid one more time, which is my favorite song of all time. Yes. 
being an auntie is amazing, isn't it? It really is. It is. Yeah. It, it, I, I love it. I, it. It's probably one of the most fulfilling things and most rewarding things that I've ever experienced. Some of my favorite tracks from you guys was obviously Hooked on You, but I really dig each and every time. That, that is, is one of my favorite songs ever! <laughs> Lovers bound you with limousines and pearls. They wine and dine you and they promise you the world. But when the, oh my goodness, I can't believe that you love that. I love, I love that, that song. song. I love that song so much. Now, what, now, now I know that you do as much as I do, but what track are you most proud of? Even like a deep cut that maybe people don't know of. Okay, so. I am, I know I'm super, super, super proud of He'll Never Know. Now we had done If Wishes Came nice. True and you know, it's like your typical ballad. All this time from the minute I got into Sweet, Sweet Sensation, I was, it was very high energy. You know, we did these dance songs, you know, we did play while it's hot, you know, and oh, sincerely yours. So we did all these really quick, you know, high energy beats. Yes. I was not confident in doing ballads because I wasn't exposed to singing ballads in Sweet Sensation. We just didn't do them. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into the studio with Steve Peck, uh, he, I was a huge heart fan. Mm. And, you know, he came to me, he said, I've got this great song. I want you to sing it. I'm like, I don't know if I could sing this song, honestly, you know, and I, you know, I'm young, inexperienced. Um, the most training that I had was learning how to sing opera at the high school of music and art. And he kind of helped me find my inner like heart almost, you know, to do that song. And when I, when I heard it back, I mean, I sound like I'm a, I'm, I'm a little kid in it, of course, trying to sing this big song. But it was such an accomplishment for me to be able to do something that was so far away from my comfort zone uh, to do. And it turned out to be one of my favorite songs. Each and every time is my favorite. Um, and He'll Never Know is also my favorite. They were kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm going to play some clips of both songs on the show so that everyone gets a chance to hear them. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I Each and every time we performed while we were on tour, and it was probably one of the most fun songs that 
I recorded. I was actually in the studio with Andre Smith, who was our stylist, and he also did backgrounds uh, oh. for us. But he uh, he was in the studio with me when we were doing all the ad libs in the end, and it was just so. It was such a cute, um, cute song for me. I was like, oh, I, I totally love it. It's good. It's nice. It has a good edge and everything. I love it. So, what would you tell yourself at sixteen now, knowing what you've accomplished and where you're at? What would you tell the or seventeen when you first became first? What would you tell yourself? I would. That's a really good question. So now. Take your time to think. I would, I would say Betty, 17 year old Betty, enjoy the ride Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to speak your truth and be you. That's what I would say to her. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Oh, that's inspiring. I like that. Now, what do you do most to take care of you? especially in days like this where, you know, the world's a bit crazy. What do you do to unwind and enjoy life? I cook. I love cooking. Now I'm a, I'm like the freestyles, you know, Martha Stewart. Mm. I do right. all kinds of stuff. I know how to knit. I know how to build things. I'm good at, you know, putting new lamps and I'm a good electrician. I know how to do plumbing. Uh, Janae calls me all things. That's my nickname. She goes, oh no, Betty, she's all things. (laughs) And it's true. I can, I can cook. I can be an electrician. I can be a plumber. What else can I do? I know how to lay down floors. Um, I'm good at styling, clothes, styling. I'm good at shopping. Um, But what I like to do, I know some people think, well, my favorite thing in the whole world is to just chill and relax and watch a really good movie. Yeah. And I don't mean like something that's current. I love old movies. Ooh. Like Examples. I love my favorite movie is Gone with the Wind, believe it or not. And some yeah. youngins will be like, what is that? Um, and I know all the current, you know, movies that are out now. And I think it's the same for music. Mm. I know all the current stuff that's out there because I still listen to you know, whatever's out now, all the new, I played on my, so I, you know, like, I love Taylor Swift, Swift, I love Lizzo, I love all of these new artists, you know, um, that are out now, you know, this generation, but I like to, I'm very well-rounded with that, I like to keep it very well-rounded, so Sinatra, you know, you have any, like, smooth jazz, I love classical music, Mm. Mozart is my favorite thing to listen to, and then my favorite band is Journey. So it, it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. For nice. me, an easy day would be listening to, you know, my streaming music and just playing whatever it is that I'm in the mood for. If it's Journey all day and, and that, that's what it's going to be, then it'll be some heavy metal hair band like Poison, you know, and nice. And then, you know, it depends on my day. I, I'm very, I'm very fluid. I, I like that you appreciate so many different genres. That's I think it's important to. It, you know? it is so important. I have my family who I always support all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm exposed to all the time. You know, we we have shows. You know, I watch their shows. You know, and um, you know all the songs because you grew up with them, performing with them. But I think because I grew up with such a diverse 
um, environment, I learned all these things, you know, I learned all these different types of music. My brother, for instance, loved Rush. Ah. He was into really like serious rock music. And, you know, I was like, I am loving this, you know, I love this. And then even through my friends, I have such a diverse like set of friends. I learned about Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I learned about Black Sabbath. I learned about Ozzy Osbourne, you know, I learned about yeah. all these like um, bands that were amazing. And, you know, they just influence you. And so, you know, aside from the, all the influences from when I was growing up, as I grew into an adult, that opened up the doors to so many different other types of music. And, you know, uh, my friends would tease me when I was younger that I always loved classical music. I didn't know why. I just did. There was only a certain type of classical music that I liked. And they're like, that's like elevator music. I'm like, when you become an adult and you have like five kids and you're running around like a maniac and you need a moment to yourself, put on headphones and play Mozart's flute concerto in E. Your life will change. That's what I would tell them. And they're like, you were right. (laughs) It does something so peaceful for your soul and just, you know. Oh my God. It it almost, um, it like flows through your, your your veins like when you feel that music it's so moving like here's something that i truly believe uh the creative arts does something for humans that other things don't do yes it evokes emotion memories it creates so many things inside of us um, that other things don't do. Superficial things don't do that. But a song, for instance, you know where you were when you heard that song, if it impacted you in a way. Mm. Um, when you watch a film and you see what's happening on the screen, you can relate to what's happening on that screen because it reminds you of something that happened to you. When you look at a piece of art, you look at this artwork and it kind of hits your brain and reminds you of whatever it is that you see, whatever your perception of that art is. Mm -hmm. It strikes such a chord in humans that the the creative arts does something so um, necessary for us, you know, Um, music, film, all media of that type. It's such a necessity for us as humans. So yeah, in, in all the crazy that's happening, yeah. My, I am so grateful that we have that available it's, to us. It's really important to, especially in education, so that children can grow up with music and learning to play instruments. It's really important to their mental and, and, and social developments in so many ways. So I it, agree and with you completely. It's so important to that. I think, you know, when growing up as you become an adult there are responsibilities that come into your life that you think oh I think music I always say music is the answer though isn't it (laughs) music is always the answer it can always take you somewhere you need to be in the moment you know if you're sad you listen to those sad love songs and you know I remember listening to songs when I was heartbroken and it, I think, helped me heal because it would 
help me cry it out, you know, and it yeah. would just make sure it was, it did the most, but the, the happy songs did the same as well. get to meet in the business or work with in the business that taught you the most or you were most excited to meet? We got to perform with a lot of different artists because we, I mean, a couple of years ago, like I guess 20, about 20 years ago, there were always these fairs and radio promo shows. You don't see that a lot now. Yeah. Obviously, for you youngins out there, right? <laughs> um, but back in the day, uh, radio stations used to have lots of things like jingle balls. And, you know, they would have all of these great artists. But now I guess they have, you know, the different types of uh, uh, fair like Coachella. So yeah. it's very, yeah. you know. But we had Coachella all the time. We just called it different things. And we would go around to different, you know, states and parts of the country and, and around the world. Uh, so we used to have so many shows, and I remember uh, doing shows with MC Hammer, Paula Abdul, um, Belbeth DeVoe, uh, we, Cindy Lauper, who probably is by far the sweetest, sweetest thing I've ever met. She's so amazing. And uh, I remember, I, this was when I was really just starting, and I loved her. It was just like, I was so starstruck. And I'm like, I can't believe that I'm meeting Cindy Lauper. But she gives me her picture and she signs it to me. I still have it somewhere. And I tell my mom, I'm like, Cindy Lauper signed an autographed picture for me, you know? And I was totally fangirling. Yeah. But yeah, Cindy Lauper was, you know, amazing. And she, um, she came to me and she's like, you know, girls, <laughs> you guys have so much energy. Don't have a mess. Don't ever stop the energy. And I was like, I always remembered her saying that to me. She goes, don't ever stop with the energy. It was great. It was so great. I was like, wow. And I th always stuck on me. I'm like. Yeah. What a moment. Yeah. So what do you find most fulfilling about making music and this career path? So deep, I know. It, no, it's a really easy answer. It goes back to what I said before. Mm -hmm. Music, 
has such an impact um, that the fact that our music after 30 plus years still is impactful, um, that is the best part. That is the most fulfilling. That we can still be a part of our fans' lives, that they can still listen to our music and feel the energy and feel the love that they grew up listening to, you know? That's a legacy that, you know, that can't be beat. You can't even deny it. That is what I'm most proud of, that I get, I sometimes get messages from people who have had children, who are, you know, teenagers, and they're like, I'm teaching my kid all about freestyle. How crazy is that? Someone is telling me that they're teaching their kid about our music, you know? And if going back to when I was 17, no, what I would say to 17 year old, you know, years from now, it's going to be people who are going to teach their kids about your music, you know? I would never, I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> That's not going to happen, you know? But sure enough, that is exactly what's happening. A new generation of people are listening to our music. You have left a legacy. You have left a legacy of yes. amazing freestyle music. And you currently still are, get to do performances and share that with people. And I think it's a blessing. Absolutely. I, I can't, there isn't anything like that I can ask for. Mm. I'm good. The fact that, that Years and years from now, those children who are learning about freestyle music today will teach it to their children. Mm -hmm. And the way I feel about, you know, Rat Pack music and, you know, like I listen to it now, I wasn't there. I just, you know, explored that music and realized that I loved it. You know, 50 years somewhere down the line, this music is still going to be here and someone's going to listen to it and say, oh, you know, in 1991, the number one song was this song. And look, oh, you know, it, it, that's crazy. It's but, very cool. But that's what's going to happen. It's very cool. What, um, what things are you working on currently that you want to tell everyone about that they should be checking out? Well, right now uh, we are, there is what we call the freestyle family, the family of freestyle. Uh, lots of people are putting out new freestyle music. And I am working on that right now. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I can't wait to hear more. It took me a long time. My peers have been on my back for years. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go that route. And I don't know what was holding me back. Mm -hmm. But uh, just listening to the new music that's been coming out, uh, TK actually has a new song out that is so amazing and it was so inspiring for me. Um, you know, we have new age freestyle from people like Sammy Zone and we have producers like Carlos Berrios who's been out there. Lizette Melendez put out a new song. It's called Stay. Nice. And uh, it's so good. You know, there was a period of time, I don't mind saying this, that some freestyle music that came out was a little questionable. Okay. And so we kind of all stepped back. We're like, well, it's not, you know, of the 
caliber of freestyle music that we are used to seeing and hearing. You know, I think we have a responsibility to ensure that the music is of quality um, and not just something that's, you know, oh yeah, we're just in it for the money. No. You know, um, let's just put out whatever. I believe in that. If I'm going to put something out, I really want it to be something worthwhile that when they listen to, they know that it's going to be good. Um, and it's, it's definitely going to be done with love. So I'm excited about it. I can't wait to hear it. And then I'll be sharing it with all of our listeners when it's, oh, that's when it's be awesome. and I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you. Thank you so much. It has been, this yeah. is so, oh, you are just so amazing. And it's thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, I, I just, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Naomi. This has been amazing. Uh, so <laughs> Thank you. And have Mwah. a wonderful evening. I hope you take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Betty LeBron for being on the show. Betty D, you're fantastic. And it was such a pleasure talking with you. If you want to check out Sweet Sensation, you can find them on their Facebook page, Sweet Sensation on Facebook. And take a listen to all their music. You can find it all over YouTube as well and Spotify and all the streaming sites. And uh, support the band. Check it out. Sweet Sensation are awesome. Next week, I'm going to be joined by a super Bon Jovi fan, Jerry Braden. He might be as big of a fan as me. Actually, he might be a bigger fan than me. He's a really big fan. And he's even got to go and like meet John three times. He's gone on some of the cool fan trip, fan club trips. And he's got lots of good stories. 
but I asked them to join me so that we could do a in-depth review and a track-by-track -track, uh, overview of the 1990 John Bon Jovi album, Blaze of Glory, music inspired by the movie Young Guns 2. Uh, you might even want to check out the movie Young Guns 2 again before you watch or before you listen to the episode. So that'll be next week. And until then, Colin's going to tell you where you can find us. Take care, everybody. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.